0: Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah chapter 55, I hope in a couple of weeks to continue our series through Zechariah. If you have begun attending uh, and we, uh, since we have left off from Zechariah, it would be good for you to go to the website and listen to those messages so you'll know where we are. You might be a little lost and uh, I don't think I'll review the whole first six chapters of Zechariah as we go through, but I... I um, I hope to be back to that in, in the next few weeks. With the remodel and all the, the physical labor, you know, we preachers aren't supposed to work. And with the, uh, with the physical labor, the, the, the time put into the building, there's not the time to put in uh, the, the kind of study necessary to teach a book like Zechariah. And uh, so we've been doing some other studies that uh, are kind of a little, a little bit more easy for me to deal with. Um, and really, the Lord gave us a good opportunity to do that with the Bill Nye Ken Ham debate. And just the idea of, of thinking and how to reason and what is true and what's false and how can we know that in this world. And it's been a great opportunity to challenge the young people on their thinking as they're preparing for their lives. And, and again, this morning is very much about that. I'm speaking on the subject of my thought versus God's thought. My thinking versus God's thinking. And uh, this passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 55, it just identifies it so clearly. So here's what I need for you to do. I need you to have a Bible. And if you don't have one with you, make sure you're sitting with someone who has one. Because we're going to be all through the Scriptures today trying to get a biblical understanding of my thoughts versus God's thoughts. And then tonight, we're going to be looking at the second death. Last Sunday morning, we looked at the first death. Or last Sunday night we looked at the first death. Uh, tonight we're going to look at what the Bible says about the second death. And then, Lord willing, uh, the next week we're going to be looking at the subject of um, Adam. When Adam tasted of the fruit, did he die? Did he die? That's one of the challenges to the biblical account is that they say that Adam didn't die. And we're going to look at that. But we had to lay the foundation of the first death, the second death, and then Adam. So those are some of the things that we have coming up. And uh, so now let's look at this. Isaiah chapter... 55. Um, before we get there, let me give you just some oh, introductory thoughts on thinking. Our whole world is based on opinions. Isn't that true? Anyone ever watch you know, Fox News or listen to talk radio or put on CNN? It's all about thinking. And so what they'll do is they'll put a premise out and then they'll have people from different thought persuasions come and give their opinion, and based on what these people say and their argumentation, we're supposed to come to a conclusion on the best way to move forward. How's that working out i've never uh you know I'm only fifty, and some of you are older, some of the, some of you are younger, and i th- Think that I've never seen a more confused time. Why is that? Why is that? It has to do with thinking. You see, here's how the world works. People's opinions are based upon what people think. Would you all agree with that? People's opinions are based upon what people think. The, the, the preacher will get done preaching and people will walk out and say, well, I understand what he was saying, but I think... Or you get done listening to a debate. And he had some good points, and he had some good points, but I think, right? Uh, There's a guy that I listen to on the radio sometimes. He talks about uh, the attack of the comma butts. The attack of the comma butts. There'll be a, yes, I know that God says this, comma, but I think, well, let me tell you this. If God says it, there's nothing after that. You see, and so the the problem really with the entire world is that man 's opinions are based upon man 's thinking. All right? an, an example is we came from monkeys that 's an example of man 's thinking right here you 're an animal, but don 't act like one that 's that's an, an example of man 's thinking. Their opinions are not based on the Bible or any other outside authority. Now, now for the believer, our, our authority is the Word of God. Is that right? That, that's, that's our authority. That's very weak. That's very, very, very weak. I'm a very insecure preacher. I need affirmation. All right? Now, our thinking is based on the Bible. Amen. 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 The, the, the reason for the amen is if we have a guest, it, it's so that the guest knows that the church agrees with what's being said. Amen. Amen. I know sometimes I say things you can't agree with, but I I hope I don't ask you for amens on those things. Um, Like Syracuse was robbed last night by the officials. It was was just ridiculous, and I almost lost my salvation during the game and almost had to have a guest speaker this morning because of the annual... Okay, now, back to where I was. So when I say that our thinking is based on the Word of God, all right, that's our authority... And that the world's thinking is not based on any authority. Here's what I mean. You'll have one person give their opinion, an authoritative opinion, and they're countered by another authoritative opinion. And then the person comes to a conclusion about what they think. Based on what? Whose argument they accept. So who's the authority? The one hearing. The one thinking. The one making the decision. So there is no outside authority for the lost man. All right, Their authority is their own mind, their own thinking, their own thought process. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, there are lots of people who, uh, let's say someone in a Muslim community and they believe they're imam and that's the only way that they think. All right, Why do they think that? Because they think that because they know that if they don't think that, they'll die. So they think it's best for me to think this way. So they're still following their own thought process in that. That's their own, they are their own authority. Men are governed by their own thoughts, and it's vital that we align our thinking with God's Word. In other words, we must have a final authority. Here's the idea. So Patrick gets up and teaches something, and I have a different idea about it than Patrick does. So what am I supposed to do as a believer? I'm supposed to go to the Bible, discern what the Bible says, and then make a decision on the controversy based on the clear teaching of Scripture. That's Acts 17.11. The Bible, speaking of the Bereans, says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and then searched the Scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. What was their authority? It was the word of God. That's more noble than saying, well, I think. I think. All right. Now, let's go to Isaiah chapter 55. Look at verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which satisfi- satisfieth not. Now look at what this says. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Hang the diet. Okay, that's not right. But... Okay, when, when you're looking at this text, the Bible is saying very clearly, All right, what, what, the, what the Scripture is saying very clearly, God says, look, the only way that you can get anything is from me. And notice what he says. You have to hear me to get it. All right? The, the necessary instruction will not come from within you. Follow your heart. Pinocchio, follow your heart. Jiminy Cricket theology, right? Follow your heart. And the whole world thinks that. You've got to follow your heart. Well, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Follow that. Hey, let me tell you what to do with your life. You want to have a good life? Follow something desperately wicked. Yes! (laughs) Okay. The answer here, God says the answer is not within you. The answer has to be something external from you. And what is it? He says, hearken unto me. God says, if you want to be filled, if you want to be satisfied, listen to my word. That's what God says. It it must come from without. He's not telling you to listen to some inner voice. There is a strong movement in Christianity called the contemplative prayer movement. It's nothing new. Thomas More, all that stuff. This, This contemplative prayer and it's the idea of this. Empty your mind of everything. Now, the teenagers have already done that for me for the illustration. It's just, <laughs> empty your mind of everything. And God will speak to you. That's out of the pit of hell. And it smells like smoke. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible tell you to, to, to not meditate on God's Word. See, here's the problem. The people who say that, they think there's something good in them to hear. There's not. Okay? Uh, let, let's look at a couple of verses and see what the Bible says. Look at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Thinking. Thinking. My thoughts versus God's thoughts. I hope you didn't lose Isaiah 55. You can find it again if you did, because we're going back. Um, Look at Matthew chapter 15 and verse 11. Look at verse 10 for the context. And he called unto the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. But wouldn't that be a good thing to do? When Jesus says hear and understand, wouldn't it be a good idea to hear and understand? And listen to what he says. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. What is that? Uh, I think. I think. I heard a preacher say that that's called diarrhea of the mouth and constipation of the brain. (laughs) Probably shouldn't have said that. That's, That's very clearly where the world is. Isn't that true? And so this contemplative prayer concept it's the idea that I'm going to empty myself of everything that I know everything that I think and these thoughts will come unbidden towards me or uh, to me. And what that is, is do you know what's going to come to you? Is Satan is going to come to you. Demons and and devils and and wickedness will come unto you. That's that's the whole concept of transcendental meditation. It's Eastern, it's demonic, it's wicked, it has nothing to do with the scriptures. All right? So when you empty yourself, first of all, you cannot empty yourself because you are only full of sin. All right? We've got to get that. Um, And and we'll see that more here in a minute. Go to Mark chapter 7. Look at verse 18. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into his belly, and goeth out into the drought, purging all meats. That's the process. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. That's what the Bible says. That that needs to be the text of every self-esteem teaching in the world. Right, The only value you have is the value that Christ places on you. That is, well, all of my worth is found in being a child of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. So the necessary instruction... Uh, for Now remember, what are we doing? We're comparing our thoughts versus God's thoughts. And the necessary instruction must come from without. We are not equipped... Okay. Let's use this as an illustration. Um, we're going to have an explanation of physics. Okay. That's we're gonna we're gonna explain physics. Can I tell you something? We're gonna need some outside help. You know why? I don't really even know the definition of the word. I don't know. I don't know physics. I, Never studied physics. Of course, I've read some books and I, some things. But, but as far as being a physicist, I need somebody that's from without. Why? Because none of that is in here. I, I don't have it. If you want to know about righteousness, are you ready? None of it is in here It's all, or in here. It's all got to come from outside. I don't have any. And it's the same thing for good thinking. For good thinking. You see, when I have a final authority, which is the Word of God, that elevates my thoughts to the thoughts of God. Let's look at how that works. Go back to Isaiah chapter 55. Look at verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. See that? Isaiah 55, verse 3, Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. The only way that you can have life, especially life eternal, and a satisfying life here now is to hear God. Is to hear God. All right? So drop down with me to verse 6. All right? Seek the Lord. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Boy, isn't that great advice? You know, there's coming a day when you won't be able to call on him. Then look what the Bible says. Let the wicked forsake his way. Now, you might want to mark that word way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Death. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there's a way here, and it says, Let the wicked forsake his way. And then look at what it says, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. His thoughts. So you can't think your way to God. You've got to reject your thoughts and receive His thoughts. You have to reject your ways and accept His ways. That's called repentance. Okay? And let Him return unto the Lord, and He will have mercy upon Him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Praise the Lord. Now look at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Okay, now now look at this. You've got to get this. So this. I asked this to my Sunday school class this morning, the best class. I asked them this morning. They said this. I, when I texted, when I, we did a, a one call a while back, I said the best class is going to be meeting in the auditorium. Dan New texted me. You're killing me. <laughs> the best class. Now listen. This is what I asked the class. Are, are you all with me? Everybody awake? Are you all following me? All right. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, if you make people think they're thinking, they'll love you. If you make them think, they'll hate you. So don't hate me this morning. I want you to think, though. Now look at what this says. Um, This is what I asked my class. What percentage of your thinking is good thinking? And the first smart aleck had the right answer, which really messed up my whole teaching plan. None of my thinking is right thinking. None of it. None of your thinking is right thinking. If you have a righteous thought that did not come from you, it came from God. Amen. If you have a righteous thought, that's where your thinking is agreeing with God. You have no original good thoughts. Why? Because what comes out of the heart of man is evil and lasciviousness. and Right? That's what Jesus said. All right? So... That's where God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. It doesn't say some of your thoughts are like my thoughts. All right? Is that what it says? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. So, look at verse 7. Verse 8, again. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither... Are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Now, how many of you think that sounds kind of harsh, really? You know, that all you have is stinking thinking. That's, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> that's so many years ago. I, I, I'd only been here a couple of months, and they said, I didn't used to leave church feeling bad. My first thought was, honey, if your phone's ringing, pick it up if there's something in your life that is not right you need to get it right for the christian the only purpose of guilt is to drive you to jesus christ a christian's not supposed to walk around feeling guilty he's supposed to walk around feeling forgiven and what is that when you when you understand your, that forgiveness boy there's great joy in that there's great liberty there's great freedom But the only way that you can have joy... This is something that we studied for a couple of years here through our study of Philippians, and it was how to have joy through the mind of Christ. The only way that you can have joy is to have the mind of Christ. Worldly mind will lead you to destruction, sorrow, death, wickedness, horrible things. The mind of Christ will lead you to joy and rejoicing. Amen? But you can't cure the problem until you know the problem. If you think... If you're sitting out there, well, I... I don't care what you say. My thinking's okay. Well, get ready for misery. Get ready for misery. Because if your thinking does not align with the Scriptures, that is a bad place to be. Uh, Think about the Scriptures. Think about the state of man. Adam. God creates Adam. Perfect. Sets him in a garden. Gives him a perfect wife. And then she takes the fruit and he takes the fruit and, and they sin. Then you have Cain, he kills his brother. And it just goes right on through the the generation of Noah and how wicked they were. And then Noah comes through and he's the righteous man that's delivered and he gets drunk. Ham commits sin and his whole line is cursed. And The next thing you have the Tower of Babel where everybody comes together and let's build a tower and we'll be like God and God says let us go down and let's confound their languages and Messes them up. Now look, this is so clear. Man, over and over and over again, is simply incapable of making a good decision. Apart from God. Apart from God. They can't get it right. Look at verse 9. This explains why. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. All right? So here's the, here's the, this is an unbelievable contrast. It's a contrast that can't be higher. All right, so, think about when this was written. Again, we talked about it, uh, I think, last week. So, when Isaiah is writing this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's on the earth. Now, how many of you are on the earth right now? I mean, physically, not mentally. You guys, I understand. But, right? So, how many of you are on the earth right now? All right. How many of you plan to stay there for a while? Right? Until the Lord comes? Well, I guess I would kind of like to be on one of those ships to Mars. I think that would be cool. You know, tell all the evolutionists what happened the whole way, and it'd be a captive audience. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> but but we're on the earth, all right? All of us are on the earth. And the Bible says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts than your thoughts, all right? So there's a contrast there. So remember, when Isaiah's writing this, I looked it up again just to make sure what I said last week was true. I said that, that when Abraham... Uh, saw that when the Bible said that that his people would be... Uh, or that the stars of the sky are like the sands of the sea, when that was written, that they could only see about 1,500 stars with the naked eye. Well, I know you might look that up and it'll say, you know, well, there are 2 million that you can see with the naked eye, but at one time, depending on the weather and all that, you can only see about 1,500, between 1,300 and 2,000, about 1,500 stars. That's all that you can see with the naked eye. And so that's how much higher... This is, that's what Isaiah would have understood, how much higher God's thoughts are than our thoughts. All right? And then somebody invents a telescope. And they look through the telescope and they say, Eureka! There's more stars. Now, this is, this is what's really important. So now let's say that through the telescope they can see the millions, two or three million stars. all right? So they see that. And the only problem is they haven't moved. You're still on the earth the more that we learn about the world, the greater God is. As high as as the heavens are from the earth. That's how much higher God's thoughts are than our thoughts. And so then they they create out in Arizona or whatever, they have the the world's biggest telescope, and now they can see billions and billions of stars. But again, they're still on the earth. They've not moved. All that's happened... God's thoughts have not gotten any higher. Our understanding of God's thoughts have gotten higher. And the contrast has gotten greater. So the more man learns, the more we understand how little we actually know compared to who God is. And then they have the Hubble telescope. And the Hubble telescope says, now we have light years and millions and billions and gazillions and trillions and quintillions and podzillions. and All these stars. But you've still not moved. You've not moved. And the more we learn about the creation, the greater God is. There's, um, there's a passage, I think it's Psalm 139, that talks about all of our members being written in a book. Right? And, and before I was born... All that. What I was going to be was written in a book. And science discovers there's a DNA code where everything that I will ever be has already been written down in a digital format. When? At conception. I mean, you got some goosebumps right there. Anybody get some goosebumps right there? And God said it was all written down. The more we learn about creation, the greater our God is. And when we compare our thoughts to His thoughts, the more we learn about the creation, the contrast that God gave us isn't smaller, it's greater. Because the more that we learn, the the more we find out how little we know compared to God. My thoughts... Versus God's thoughts. Then, so what do we do? Look at verse 10. Praise the Lord. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth, and bud, that it may give, give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. How many of you glad you get to eat? Amen. How many of you are looking forward to that here in a few minutes? Oh, yeah. Laura made something really cool. Let's pray. No. um, <laughs> The the only way that we can have these things, the only way that we can have this food is because God allows it to happen by sending the rain, by sending the snow so things can grow so that we can eat. Isn't that right? So just as the only way that you can have food is for God to send it, the only way that you can know how to think is to have God's thoughts. The only way that you can think properly is to have those thoughts that come down from heaven And so what does the Bible say about that? Look at what it says in verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Now, many of you have heard this. God's word will not return void. How many of you have heard that? The only problem is that's not what the Bible says. Look look at what it says. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return... What's the next two words? Unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So here's what we say. I told God's word to somebody and it didn't change them. That brings glory to God because God said man's wicked. God's word didn't return to him again void. Is that right? It changes everything. If you want to have a good life, agree with God's word. That'll bring glory to him. If you want to reject God and be judged, you know what that's going to do? That's going to bring glory to God because your destruction will reveal His righteous judgment. God will be vindicated in your judgment or He'll be glorified by you being a vessel of His amazing mercy. Wow. Wow. So, let's get this just in the next couple of minutes. How was that? That was my introduction. Okay? Long introduction, short sermon today. Maybe. Um, You know, when... uh, When Paul said, finally, brethren, he was only halfway through the book. All right, so. Um, Let's look at the, remember, what we're doing today is we're comparing my thoughts versus God's thoughts. So when we study the Bible, there's this principle that we've talked about. It's It's the law of first mention. So when something is mentioned the first time, that gives us information about that subject that will continue throughout the whole Scripture. Okay? It's a really helpful way to understand the Scripture. So let's look at the first mention of the word thoughts in the Bible. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Genesis 6. Now we're going to fly through the scripture. So get your Bibles ready. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. This is the first mention of thoughts. In the Bible. Genesis six five. And God saw that the wickedness of man was very was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Holy cow. That's not a very encouraging verse. Were some did some people have good thoughts? No. No, let's read it again. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I want you to mark imagination and thoughts. Imagination and thoughts. All right? So this is is man. When did this happen? Only evil. When did this happen? Go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5. The teenage girls that's just a couple of chapters back, okay, three, three, Kayla, three. all right, Genesis three, look at verse five, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's, knowing good from evil. what's it say and evil? That's interesting. Uh, we think that what happened was they were able to discern good from evil. That's not what it says. You're going to know good and evil. This is really interesting. Now, check this out. This is really interesting. They already knew good. When God created the world, uh, the first day was good. Second day what he created was good. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, it was all good. Then God said it is not good for a man to be alone. And so he created and helped meet for him and he created Eve. And that was a a good thing, and their marriage was a good thing, and their mandate was a good thing. They understood good. The only thing that came from the fall was evil. And by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, all that they can think of is evil. That's the fall. That's the fall. It's unbelievable. Go to Genesis chapter 20, and let's look at the first time a man is thinking, or a man says what he's thinking, okay? Genesis chapter 20. So Abraham is traveling with his wife, Sarah, and apparently Sarah was a babe, okay? She was, she was good-looking. And so they're traveling, and because she's so good-looking, she says, okay, if anybody asks you, tell them you're my sister because they might kill me and take you. What a great guy. That's awesome. Okay, you ladies, you're you're walking down a dark street with your husband, and he says, "Okay, honey, if anything happens, I mean, there's some shady guys up there. If they jump out, I'm going to get behind you. Take care of me." Now I know this is Shelby County. Some of you ladies are saying, "All right, I'm here." All right, but honestly, even though you're capable of that, right? You know, we were watching this. Thing on Fox News, and it was during the Trayvon Martin thing, and this lady was going to commentate on it. And she's, you know, a, an attractive lady. She's got the dark uh, Florida tan. She looks like she's about 50, you know, but an attractive lady, well put together. And she starts talking, she's, Well, I think, let me tell you what's <laughs> happening here. Can I have a smoke? I'm going to Denver. I need to get a, some smokes. Right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Those kind of women, they might want to jump out in front and, you know, be the, be the, the defender of mankind. But, in your heart of hearts, all the ladies want a defender. You want a man that 's going to take care of you now if you 're women 's labor here today and you're like, i don 't want that you 're just lying to yourself, all right? <laughs> now as an aside, when the Bible gives an illustration of the wife submitting to her husband it 's Sarah calling Abraham Lord. Wow. Wow. Hey, honey, let them take you and ravish you, but I'll be okay. Don't worry. Thanks. That was Abraham. That was Abraham. And so look at what happens. When you get to verse 11... What has happened was God has come to Abimelech and he told him in a dream, don't touch her, you're dead if you touch her. And Abimelech says, Lord, I didn't touch her, I didn't know. He said, he was, he said she was his sister, I didn't touch her. And God says, yeah, you didn't touch her because I didn't let you touch her. And you're going to let her go. And so now, look at, look at verse, we're in Genesis chapter 20, look at verse 9. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee, that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought. Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. Now listen what he said. I was afraid. I didn't think that God was going to take care of me, even though I knew God was going to make of me a great nation through Sarah. I didn't think that God was going to take care of this. I thought. That's what he said. First mention of the word thoughts in the Bible is imaginations of the heart. Thoughts were only evil continually. And then the first time you have somebody saying, I thought, that's when they've lied and didn't believe in the protection of God. Isn't that interesting? Thoughts, thoughts. Look at um, Genesis chapter 32. And I want you to see something that's going to help us define this. Genesis chapter 32. So you remember what's going on. Jacob is wrestling with God and he wants to have a blessing. And, you know, a lot of times people are saying, boy, Jacob really, he endured and he, he, he fought and he wrestled to get the blessing. Really? I thought the issue was submission. Can I tell you guys? Hey, you young people, look up here. Don't fight with God. It's really dumb. All right, don't fight with God. Obey God. Submit to God because God can take you. Okay? So look at verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day and when he saw that he prevailed not against him he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him okay so he dislocated his thigh okay that's a bummer all right now look at verse 30 and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel for I have seen the face for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved and as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him and he what? halted upon his thigh. He halted upon his thigh. We think of it as just as limping. I walk with a limp. I messed up my knee. It doesn't extend right, so, so I walk with a limp. That's not halting. Halting is this. That's halting. All right? That, it's It's different. I mean, he was crippled for the rest of his life. He was halting. Look at Mark chapter 9. Jesus uses this term. Mark 9, verse 45. This is Jesus defining this word a little bit better for us. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into, this, into life than having two feet and be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. All right, so what is Jesus doing? He's defining what it means to be halt. How many of you think that it would be difficult to, to walk without a foot? That's halting. That's halting. Now, look at First Kings chapter 18. We're going somewhere, all right? 1 Kings chapter 18. My thoughts versus God's thoughts. 1 Kings chapter 18, look at verse 21. So now, remember what's going on. You have uh, Elijah battling with Ahab and Jezebel and the prophets of Baal, all right? So look at verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long, what's the word there? Halt ye between two. What's the word? Where did we start? The world is made of opinions based on man's thinking, right? My thoughts versus God's thoughts. Here they're halting between two opinions. What are the two opinions they're halting between? All right? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And look what the people did. And the people answered him, not a word. What are they doing? You got two opinions. You got the one true God, who they know. The one true God. Then you have Baal. And they're here. They can't move. They can't make a good decision. They're crippled. They're halting. They're incapable of choosing between good and evil. Is that right? They're incapable of choosing between the one true God and this false God, Baal. And I like it when Elijah just mocks him. Was he taking a nap? Is he on vacation? What's up? Why won't your God come? It can't hear you? I was listening to this Bible teacher. Well, I don't think that was really sarcasm. Wow, that guy's a genius. Um, So here, they're halting between two opinions. And you understand that's where the world is? Right now, evolution, creation. God or paganism? Is that right? And you young people, you're going to choose. Am I going to live a Christian life or am I going to live a pagan life? Am I going to be a person who goes to church and professes to be a Christian while living like a pagan? What is that? That's halting between two opinions. That's a paralyzing place to be. All right, go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. My thoughts versus God's thoughts. You ready for this? You ready to see the wonder of God's word? James chapter 1 and verse 8. A double-minded man... Is unstable in all his ways. What's a double-minded man? A double-minded man, ambivalent, not able to come to a decision. Well, I like God, but I, I like who's a who's a oh uh, you, know, I, you know anybody that I know say you know somebody from 1980s. But one came to me. Well, I like God, but I really like Katy Perry. Uh, I can't decide. Because I really, God's cool. Oh, but Katy Perry. Do you realize that that battle goes on in young people's lives and minds and hearts? So I'm going to ask you guys. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? See, the person that thinks Katy Perry's okay, while professing, To obey God? That's a double-minded person. It's double-minded. All right? And that person is unstable, like the person who's halting, who's crippled, incapable of thinking properly. Remember we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, that noetic principle, where because of the fall, your ability to make good decisions is gone. Why? Because your thoughts are only evil continually. And if you have a good thought, it's a thought that has to agree with God. So if you're halting between agreeing with God or disagreeing with the world, when you're halting between that, and now you're in trouble. So what are we supposed to do? How do we reconcile this? Go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. "My thoughts versus God's thoughts. Look at verse one. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Now, I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some. Now, look at this, what it says which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down, what did we look at all the way back in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5? Casting down, what's it say? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. God's thoughts versus my thoughts. My thoughts and imaginations are only evil continually. When I try to reason something out apart from the Scriptures... When I try to reason something out, apart from the Scriptures, it can only be evil. I was talking with Ty yesterday, and who's explained explaining to me what he does. He designs machines on computers, and, and it's amazing the stuff that he does. So he does this engineering on the computer. So you're saying, well, wait a minute. Where does God fit into that? All right, well, what if somebody asks him to make a machine to kill Christians? Should he do that? How many of you are having a hard time making the decision? Should he build a machine to kill Christians? No, no. So what's he doing? He's bringing those thoughts into the imagination, those thoughts and imaginations into the mind of Christ. So you go into the military, and the military says, "Okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to say that Christians are a terrorist group and they're subversive." And so now we need to kill the Christians, gather them up, put them in concentration camps, kill the Christians. Are you going to do that? We'd rather obey God than men. Right? You're a police officer, you're a sheriff, you're, you're, you're a prosecutor, you work in the government. And the government now says that you got to, okay, what we're going to do because people are getting so crazy, we've got to take all their guns away so that they can't defend themselves, so that we can put them in the concentration camps. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? See, all those processes start with God or Katy Perry. You see, those seemingly inconsequential things establish patterns in your life for the big decisions. My father, my mom and dad met at Bob Jones University. Bob Jones was a Methodist preacher. He started a college, and my mom and dad went there. They met there, and um, but and dad then went on to Baptist Bible College, and he said that uh, I didn't know what a church was until I went to Baptist Bible College. He hadn't learned that at Bob Jones, and because um, their their structure was wrong on that subject. But Bob Jones Senior, he had a real down home wit, and he could he could really connect with people, and so he was very quotable. And one of the things that that my father would quote. He said this, and it's so true. People talk about somebody falling, you know, a man of God who falls. And the idea is, you know, they commit adultery or whatever, they lose their ministry, go to jail. And they talk about that being a great fall. And he said this, every great fall is nothing but the result of a process of wicked thinking. A man doesn't go from righteousness to gross immorality in one thought. It starts with a look. It starts with allowing your mind to go there and then ordering your schedule to be in a certain place and then lying. You see, there's there's this process that happens. Uh, To keep those kinds of things from happening to you and making decisions that will destroy you and your family, you have to understand that your thoughts and your imaginations are only evil continually. And that's why you've got to bring your thoughts into captivity to what? The mind of Christ. And where is the mind of Christ revealed? In the Word of God. Our thoughts versus God's thoughts. They're way higher than ours. We don't have any good thoughts. Let's make sure that when we give an opinion, it's from the Word of God. When we make a statement, it's from the Word of God. Amen? Watch this. There's somebody going to go out today and say, yeah, I know what he said, but I think. Our thoughts versus God's thoughts. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Word.